Welcome back to the show, everyone. It's Dina Kalmet here. And for today's program, I have Susan Davis with me again with Marriage Supper of the Lamb Ministries. And today's topic, we're going to talk about a page that she has on her Facebook page called What the Lukewarm Church Won't Teach You. And so I'm so excited about this topic. Susan, are you there? Yes, I am. Well, thank you for coming on the show again. Okay, well, thanks for having me. And uh, this is a very exciting topic for both of us, I think. Absolutely. And I want to hear more about this page and what people will learn from it. So you've got the mic. Well, thanks so much again for having me. And this particular page uh, you will find on Facebook, and it's called What the Lukewarm Church Won't Teach You. And so uh, it's a series of posts and videos, uh, YouTube videos that I've done over time uh, that focuses in on this very topic. And there's a series of six videos, and they each uh, discuss various uh, parts of the lukewarm church. And so a lot of people don't consider how very serious this topic is because most people attend church and, you know, they call themselves Christian and they think everything's good. But uh, we know different in the Bible uh, through scripture, it says that very few find the narrow path. And uh, there are many other scriptures that say that uh, the group that goes to hell, the road is broad and wide. And so this should really make us all sit up and pay attention. But very few actually do that. And um, I, I give credit to the enemy for confusion. Uh, he is the author of confusion. And he has made the whole concept of church which is the body of Christ, uh, as, you know, very confusing. And a lot of people, they're confused about the definition of church itself. Well, church is not a building. It's not a program. And um, it's very much a group of people. And here is how the enemy has come in and created all kinds of uh, divisiveness and confusion by creating all these very many denominations. There's so many of them. There's, you know, any number of them. And there's also offshoots of some denominations and there's independent and there's just all kinds of things going on. And, you know, when I talk about Facebook, I often call it the uh, wild west of Christianity. <laughs> because so um, you've got a lot of people coming and going on posts and they're coming from all kinds of, of things. And a lot of the denominational churches are based on uh, man-made doctrines, okay, and that sort of thing. But in reality, the church is only two parts to God in the Bible. He, he doesn't, if you ever notice, he doesn't talk about denominations in the Bible. And uh, I know that's a shock for people, but... No, he doesn't. He doesn't talk about Catholicism. He doesn't talk about Baptist or no. Protestant or any of those. No, no. What he talks about is the lukewarm church and the bride of Christ. Those are the two groups. There, there aren't uh, any other groups. Those are the two. 
And we know them in Matthew 25, when we're talking about the 10 virgins. We've got some virgins that have a less than full oil lamp. And then we have the other five that have a full oil lamp. And that is the dividing factor. And why is that such a huge division? Because when the uh, Lord comes, the bridegroom in that story, uh, he only takes the five with the full oil lamps. The other five are locked out. The door shuts. They cannot get in. They go back to get oil for their lamps, and they find themselves locked out. Well, that's a very serious problem. And every Christian should be asking, what's going on with my oil lamp? Am I going to be able to get in or not when the bridegroom comes? And very few people are asking themselves this question. But the truth is, there are quite a few people that fall into the category of a less than full oil lamp at this point. How do they know? I'm sorry. How do they know if they're lukewarm or not? How would they know that? Well... Uh, That's a great question, and here's how you're going to find out. First of all, um, if you have not made a full surrender to the Lord by uh, surrendering to the will of the Father, then that's a big problem. Uh, If a person just goes about and calls himself a Christian, that may not be, you know, 100%. And we see this in the scripture, and I know that Dina will put the scripture up. There's a very significant scripture, I think it's Matthew 7, and it talks about how the Christians who face Jesus at the end of their life, and they say, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in thy name? And didn't we work wonders in thy name? And didn't we prophesy in thy name? And, you know... The Lord turns to them shockingly and says, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Okay, well, this is a shocking scripture and should shock everybody who calls himself a Christian because these people were had a measure of the Holy Spirit. They are the, the partially filled oil lamp virgins. And how do we know that? Because this group, they were... Uh, delivering people. There was deliverance that was not done in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were working wonders and they were prophesying. And you know, you can't prophesy without a measure of the Holy Spirit. And yet, Jesus turns to them and calls them workers of iniquity and sends them away for eternity. So what gives here? What exactly is going on? Well, the key is in, and actually, I did go to the Lord myself, and I said, wow, this is scary. Who can make the cut? Yeah. (laughs) The Lord said to me, uh, he showed me the scripture where he says, I never knew you. Okay, so then he took me from that scripture into other parts of the Bible. He took me into Genesis, where it says that Adam knew Eve. And then later, he takes me right back over to Scripture in the New Testament, where the angel comes to Mary and says that she asks and tells her about becoming the mother of Jesus. And she says very clearly to the angel, but I have never known a man. And then we know another section of the Bible where Judah is involved with his daughter-in-law. 
and it goes on to say he did not know her again. So what does that mean exactly? Well, the implication of the word knew, which has been, the meaning has been translated out over the many years, the original meaning of the word knew. So what Jesus is saying to this church is, I was never intimate with you. We weren't close. And so that's what he's saying in that scripture when he says, I never knew you. We didn't have an intimate connection. We were not close, really close. And so that is how uh, the Lord even uses the whole symbolism of marriage in his relationship with the bride of Christ, the true church. It's a, it's a marriage covenant of sorts. And if you're involved in a marriage, it's not going to be real successful if you uh, say your I do's and then you don't show up for the marriage at all. You don't have, you're not involved. That's not going to be a very good marriage. So I guess I'm going the long way around to explain to people that, that God requires an intimate connection with you uh, his follower. And that's why he even says in scripture, in revelation, uh, in the scripture, the first church, he, he talks to them and says that, that they have left their first love. And so who is their first love? Their first love is Jesus. He's the one who created them and loved them first before anybody else comes on the scene. And so this is a very serious accusation that he's making to the people who are lukewarm. And so this is a long way around to the question you ask, how do we know if someone is lukewarm? I think the answer is, what kind of relationship are you involved in with Jesus? Amen. Um, right there. Is it an, is it a acquaintance or is he involved in your life every day? Do you, um, I think, is that along the lines, Susan? Oh, exactly. Exactly. Do you talk to him frequently or do you rarely ever communicate with him? And these are, these are questions that you have to go and ask yourself. And one of the ways that you can do this is by sitting down and reading the word. We, the Bible is, is set up. It says that we are washed by the word. And how does that happen? It's like, well, we don't know the many ways that we sin against a holy God if we don't even really understand what his holiness represents. And um, we can't really actually um, just take it on uh, for granted through various churches that we're going to get the straight uh, word the, you know, the right teachings. We have to go there ourselves and have this, we have to have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with the Lord and we can't have it vicariously through other people like our pastor or anyone else. Right, Dina? That's right. You have to experience it yourself with him. And, you know, back to the churches, you know, um, a lot of churches are not teaching a lot of things these days. That's why it's so important to make sure that you are in the word and so that you are learning straight from the Holy Spirit and communicating with him. It's so important to, um, and that's how you know, you know, before I got saved, I did not wake up in the morning and think about God. 
But now I wake up and one of the first things that comes out of my mouth is, good morning, Jesus. I want him to be the first thing on my mind and the last thing on my mind before I go to sleep and in between during the day. Exactly, exactly. And that's, and that's how we do it. Uh, that's, and that's exactly why we called this show that we're working together on Jesus 24-7. Amen. Because it, it really is about a Jesus 24-7 relationship. Uh, I, I say the lukewarm church has compartmentalized God. They have placed him along with all their other hobbies and activities. You know, they've got their career. They've got their work. They've got their uh, extracurricular activities, and they do their church on Sunday morning and or Wednesday night or a couple times a month, and that's their God piece, okay? And that's all they ever, you know, that I got that God piece done. And that's not how God wants it at all, not at all. He wants you to, he wants your extracurriculars, he wants your career, he wants it all. He wants to engage with you through all the rest of what you're doing. The Lord gave me a, an amazing visual insight about this. So one day he was showing me that uh, like people's homes, we don't typically invite people into the inner <laughs> inner chambers of our homes. Like when we have guests over, sometimes they don't make it past the living room, okay? <laughs> and, <laughs> Other times, okay, if they're close to us, they might make it into the kitchen or the family room, but they won't come into our bedrooms. And then there is, you know, a very few that this is our close group that might ever come into one of our bedrooms. And then there may be rooms that we don't allow anybody into because, you know, it's one of those kind of rooms. <laughs> and so the Lord showed me that that's how he feels. He feels like there are parts of our lives that we never uh, allow him into. We just only let him into the living room or the living room in the kitchen occasionally. And as far as those rooms that we never show anybody, those rooms could be, you know, unaddressed sin and uh, other areas that we're struggling with. And that's what's keeping God at distance because we need to bring him in to address sin and these other things. Because so many people think, oh, you know, once I get my act together, then I'll get close to the Lord. And, you know, this is what I say to people. You'll never get your act together if you don't get close to the Lord. Amen. It was so funny. After the Lord gave me this visualization about how we treat him in our hearts, I actually had a, a pop-up message or something I had to go on the internet and it was about real estate and it talked about people have trouble selling a house because they often have rooms that they won't let anybody see when they go to sell the house. <laughs> that is pretty, that is pretty wild. I got that the same day that he showed me this confirmation. confirmation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I think we have to ask ourselves these questions and I think this will lead to our understanding of, you know, are we lukewarm uh, or not? And if we are lukewarm, how lukewarm are we? Yeah, because he says, you know, he's going to vomit, not only to spit, but vomit the lukewarm out of his mouth. So exactly. you need to decide, you know, um, and you know what? There's no such thing as a little bit lukewarm. You're either lukewarm or you're not. 
right, Susan? Oh, well, if you're on the fence, uh, Satan owns the fence. So uh, you really need to look introspectively at this. In fact, you mentioned the scripture that says that Jesus, uh, as far as the lukewarm goes, he spews them out of his mouth. He'd rather you be hot or cold. Well, if you go back to the original translation about this, it talks about an emetic. It's, uh, it's something that people take and it causes them to regurgitate. And so that's literally what God's talking about, that this church, the lukewarm church, causes him to want to regurgitate them and get that image in your mind. That's you know, a horrible Jesus. image. Exactly. And this is how he views this lukewarm church. Now, am I talking about any particular denomination or church group? No, not at all. They're not even on the radar. Uh, because I believe that there is most likely uh, brides of Christ in some of the denominations, as well as lukewarm. So, again, I'm not, you know, some people say, well, are you against the churches? Well, I'm not against the churches per se. But let me go on further to uh, tell you what I have learned. Years ago, there was a survey done. Actually, there were two different surveys done of pastors, and one survey indicated pastors said they only spent seven minutes a day uh, in prayer, and another uh, survey completely different said 40% of the pastors, now this was years ago, admitted that they had problems with pornography. And you know what I have to say is the scripture says that if a man... uh, mistreats his wife that god will not hear their prayer and so if you're having issues with pornography uh that is really going to block prayer with the lord and these are pastors and these are the ones who admitted that they had these issues now am i just like pointing my finger at pastors not really what i'm trying to say to the church at large is you cannot rely on pastors to lead you into correct doctrine into correct understanding of the of the gospel you will stand alone before the lord and give an account of your life you will not stand there with your parents your aunt or your pastor and so you need to think about this and Most people, they just go to a church, they listen to a 30-minute sermon, maybe some music, what have you, and that's it. That's their piece of, of the Lord for the whole week. And I'm saying that's not enough. You cannot, you cannot survive what we're up against now because the enemy is using lack of knowledge to defeat the Christians. Okay, is it just about lack of knowledge? No, it's about dying from lack of knowledge that the Bible says. Amen. We are destroyed by the lack of knowledge. And that's exactly what the enemy is counting on. He is counting on you not knowing that book and not having a true relationship with the Lord. And he's taking out a lot of people, even Christians, and so this is very serious times, very serious hour, and we need to get really serious about um, all of this. Yes, we do. When you were talking about the word, it reminded me of the Christians, I think it was either in China or North Korea, who memorized the word of God 
so that they could not take it from them. Because, you know, they're, they take Bibles. Some people, you know, die because they have a Bible in some of these countries. And so they memorized the word so that they would always have it inside of them. And that's the way we need to be. And sometimes it's not a matter of, you know, memorizing scripture, you know, per se on index cards or something like that. Not really, because once you start to read the word, it starts to become a part of you. God's word will never return void. So it's, he's going to knit that into your heart, knit that into your spirit. Well, I can concur completely because I had heard, I think it might've been China, but they were, uh, of course, they can't have Bibles over there. And I myself, I've been in Russia before, and you really can't walk around and talk about proselytize and carry a Bible around. And so the Bible becomes so much more precious when you don't have it. Uh, unlike Americans who've got everything at their fingertips electronically, and yet we ha- are probably one of the most illiterate biblical generations of all times although we have such incredible access to it in china you know they would uh they would get a page out of the bible and they'd pass it to each other and they'd hold on to it for like a week study 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 it and then move on to the next one get another page and i mean when i hear about things like this it just breaks my heart you know it breaks my heart in two ways it breaks my heart for them of course, but it also breaks my heart for Americans and the Western world that they have are so cavalier to God's word that they trivialize it so much when it's, you know, God gave us his word to save us from ourselves, to Amen. help us understand, uh, you know, where he's coming from and what he's thinking and, and that sort of thing. There's so much that we have to learn through the Bible, and when we interact with it, I believe there's something supernatural that takes place once you've surrendered fully to the Lord and surrendered to the will of the Father through Jesus Christ. Um, It's a supernatural understanding that comes into our minds and our hearts so that the Word, you know, originally when I first read the Bible, Prior to being, you know, surrendered to the Lord fully, I was lukewarm. And it was just a bunch of gobbledygook to me. It made no sense to me. And uh, I was very frustrated by the whole thing. And then once I made that full surrender, not really knowing what that all meant, just on, on faith, I surrendered to the Lord. All of a sudden, he opened up my understanding. He opened up my eyes. And things that I read started to make sense. And I have said on previous interview, I I literally wept over the word at the beginning because I was seeing them through new eyes. And, you know, the words about Jesus were so beautiful to me that I would weep over them. And no, I didn't have that kind of uh, understanding or feelings about the word before because I was lukewarm. And so there's something really amazing about that. And I also want to mention this because the Lord's bringing it up to mind is we need to, uh, once we make that declaration to the Lord himself that we want to move into a closer relationship, we want to be in the will of the Father and not in our old sinful will anymore. We repent of our past sin and we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We also need to declare our uh, position to others 
And that's really uh, significant that we tell others what we have done and we have made this decision. Amen. Yeah, that goes to um, kind of preaching the gospel like Jesus told us to do. Exactly, exactly. And so that's a very important scripture in the Bible. It talks about that uh, declaring our relationship with the Lord leads to salvation. And so these are all important things that you will learn as you interact with the Bible through the power of the Holy Spirit and not through your own understanding, not through the not even through the interpretations of men in lukewarm churches. Are you going to get this? Amen. Amen. Has to come through the Holy Spirit. Right. And just one other thing I want to talk about um, the whole concept of discipline you know, we become disciples of Jesus, and that word is derived from the word discipline. And so it's not really, you know, a lot of people say, well, you're talking about a works doctrine. Well, not really. Uh, You can't work for your salvation. You cannot earn your salvation. Only Jesus paid the price for it. But after we receive Jesus into our lives, we can't just go on and ignore him. We have to turn and pursue him through the word through relationship and through reaching to others and you know a lot of people uh have confused that and and call those things works that is not works to salvation that is the aftermath of salvation if you love jesus then you're going to want to know more about him and the scripture is very clear and it says faith without works is dead it's dead and, and why is that? Because it's a love relationship. It's, it's a love relationship that we have. If we don't want to know more about this person that we're involved with, uh, then how do we truly know him? We don't. I mean, there's, there's not the knowing. And it goes right back to the scripture I mentioned before when he turns to the people and he goes, I never knew you. Exactly. And tells them to depart from him. Those are, Those some- are words. Yeah, you don't want to hear those words, okay? Those are some scary, scary words. And you know what? It should not be work to talk to God. It should not be work to read his word and to hear from him. That's part of the relationship. You know, um, it's not a magical prayer that you say one time and then you go and you live your life and you do whatever you want to do. And then you say, well, I said the prayer, so I'm saved no, you know, that's where, uh, where Jesus said in Matthew seven, you know, he comes in there and he says, well, I never knew you because you didn't bother well, I, to go and spend time with him. Exactly. And I can tell you, this is where a lot of people come up with this, um, works doctrine, which they use to scare people. It's coming from religious spirits. Okay. So many of the churches today operate under, uh, the rule of religious spirits, And uh, religious spirits, they want you to think that, you know, when you study the Bible, uh, that that's a lot of work. Well, I'll tell you what, it's going to be work if you don't make that surrender. And that's what they don't want you to do. They don't want you to make that full surrender because once you move in close to the Lord and make a full surrender, then your understanding is increased and the burden is lifted. Jesus said that his burden is light. And so right now there is, 
they're feeling like, wow, I, I was, you know, I was, uh, liking going to the bar with my buddies there more than what I experienced at church. And so the enemy knows this. And so many people leave the churches with a bad taste in their mouths. And that's a really sad thing, but that's exactly what the enemy is doing. He puts some of his meanest dogs in the church. I mean, people go into the churches and get abused. And, you know, we've heard so much, uh, so many terrible stories about the Catholic Church and the abuse of the priests uh, with, you know, the children. But I'm telling you, the same thing's going on in the Protestant churches. So they have no room to talk. There's just as much abuse of uh, people and children right within all the Protestant churches as well. And that is by design of the enemy. I mean, if you go into a Protestant church as a child and you're abused by someone who is uh, has a position of power, you're not going to leave uh, with a nice taste in your mouth of God. And this is by design of the devil. And so what I'm trying to say is we all have to have our own individual relationships with the Lord. And he's calling us to himself and he's calling us to come out of evil churches if they're not preaching a full gospel of Jesus Christ. And the question is, what does that mean exactly? Well, you know, a lot of churches aren't teaching deliverance. They're not teaching end times. They're not teaching uh, committing to the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And they're not teaching, you know, walking close with the Lord, like, you know, our show is Jesus 24-7. And um, they're saying what they think the people want to hear so that the people won't be scared off. And sometimes this has to do with making budget. Okay, there I said it. But, um, you know, whatever. No, but that's true, sis. That's true. I have come up with churches in the Portland area that I've questioned them, you know, um, are you teaching this? Are you teaching rapture? Are you teaching end times? Do you even know what's happening with, you know, recently with the mandates and things like that? They did not even know, but we got to be careful because if they don't know, then the church and they're not teaching it, then the church is not going to know what hit them when the time comes. Oh, exactly. And, I want to share this with uh, listeners. Um, I've been to several churches and visited them, and I had attended one church, and boy, I mean, they were big. They were an African church, and they were big on deliverance, and I give them credit for that. But they didn't want to have anything to do with end times, uh, that we're in the end times and the Lord is coming soon. Didn't want any part in that. And they were more into prosperity gospel so you know i've been to a church that was into end times they love the topic of end times they want to study about israel and how that all plays out with end times but as far as spiritual relationship they didn't want to talk about it (laughs) and worship no they didn't want that either they just wanted to talk about that one thing and you know i could just go on and on and on about the various you know things that the churches are doing but very few churches want all of jesus Jesus is about deliverance. He's about intimacy with him, knowing him in a close way. He is about um, healing, healing. Uh, He's about spiritual gifts. 
cookies, about all of these things. The whole ticket. And it's a whole package. And so many of the churches, they, they touch on a couple things and then they miss the whole thing. And so what do you do in a situation like that? Well, that's where you have to get close to the Lord yourself. Amen. And, and if he's really showing you that you have to leave a church, then you have to go. If, if, you know, if you challenge the Lord and say, okay, show me whether I should stay or not, and something happens and you know you have to go, then you have to go. And uh, where do you go from there? Well, that's where faith comes in. You just have to trust in the Lord that he knows the way and he can lead you. But um, staying at a church that teaches uh, incorrectly is not the answer. That's right. You need to get the full meal, you guys, a full meal deal. And um, you're only going to get that through the communication of the Holy Spirit so that he can lead you and guide you. Exactly. And not the interpretation of men either. The thing is, the bottom line is you yourself have to go deep with the Lord and uh, dig for truth, dig for answers. And and I like what you said, sis, about, um, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but I like, oh, no, you're fine. I liked what you said that once you've surrendered to, uh, to God, that once you, then you, and you pick up the word, it's no longer, it's no longer a works thing because you're, you are actually hungry for that now. Right. You're communing with, uh, your spiritual husband, so to speak. Yes. And I just want to interject too, you know, this whole concept of Jesus as the bridegroom and uh, the church as the bride. I know this is, this is a real challenge for the guys out there. Because um, when I first uh, met and talked to uh, my Chinese translator, who does a lot of work for me, one of the very first things he said as a new Christian was, this thing about the bride, I do not understand, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a guy, you know, and I don't get this, and, and I get that, I get that. Well, actually, the concept of the church as the bride is, uh, and, and God, and the Godhead and Jesus specifically as the bridegroom, the reason it's in there and, you know, the Paul and others talk about this is because God likens the relationship that he has with his church and the individuals of the church, like a marriage covenant. And really there's nothing closer uh, to how we will commune with God except for the marriage relationship, which he has given in this life. And, you know, the marriage covenant relationship between two people is is a very close one. It's it's a closer human relationship than any other. And, you know, I used to joke about how when you're really close to your husband, you know, and you go to a restaurant and you order, get up and leave and you come back and your husband has already ordered, you know, the kind of drink you want. I mean, and, and he finishes your sentences and things of that nature. This is this is a intimate, close relationship. And that's exactly why God likens it to marriage, because it's even closer than the brother-sister relationship. It's, it's just how God wants it with us. He wants us to be that close to him. And here is, the, here is God who is amazing. He's created so many things in the universe, uh, and he wants this intimate relationship with us, and we deny him access. And you have to ask yourself, why am I denying access to my creator. 
the creator of the whole universe when he wants to have this relationship, when he died a horrible death to make it possible. Amen. That, um, that says it right there. I mean, think about it, you guys. Say that, um, you know, back to what you had mentioned before. Say you got married and your spouse, you know, from that day forward didn't want to have anything to do with you. And you're like screaming at them. You know, I want not screaming, but maybe, you know, saying to them, I want to spend time with you. I miss you. I love you. And they're not even hearing you. They're ignoring you. That sometimes is what happens to God. Yeah, I'm afraid more than sometimes, Dina. Well, a lot, a lot. But yeah, um, but yeah I mean, he and, and he gets to see you every single day. He watches us every single day. And for and I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty, um, but I'm trying to feel how maybe how God would feel, you know, um, and, and to be ignored it's 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 sad even it's sad because he right. loves I, us so much and i want to i want to throw this up uh, also that uh before the lord showed up in my life in a big way i thought i had the god piece going on uh i mean i was active in church i was a, i was in charge of outreach <laughs> at our church I was, you know, doing Sunday school with the kids. Um, I was doing uh, programs and, oh, brother, I was, I was over juvenile center. I, I had all this stuff going on and I thought I had the God piece working, but I realized that I did not know the God of the ministry and he showed up big and showed me that I was, I was lost. I was lost. If I had faced the Lord in that condition, I probably wouldn't have made it. And so I think we have to look seriously. We don't even have to be, see, the enemy will use all forms of distraction, even ministry, to get us away from this uh, close relationship with the Lord. That's very true. That's I've had to step back from the ministry at times to uh, get closer to the Lord because it can take on a form of its own and it can be deceiving because here you are doing the work for the Lord, but you're kind of making it an idol. And so you're kind of ignoring the Lord, but you're doing work for him. And, but yeah, you're not spending that quality time with him. And it's important, especially if you're in the ministry, any type of ministry, to spend time with God because you need to be led by him so that you can help other people. Right. And if you're not in his will and you're trying to do the Lord's work and you're not connected to him, then he, he's not really running things. You are. And that's, that's a mess, basically. That's right, because it's supposed to be his ministry. It's not really, it's not ours. It's his. No, not at all. <laughs> He's the boss. He's my boss. Yeah. So that's how we want it too. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I always want him in control, especially of um, what we do for him, what I do for him. And um, I need his leading. But um, Susan, I want to thank you for coming on the show today and for talking about this very important topic. Well, thanks so much, Dina, for uh, allowing me to spend time and talk about this with you and the uh, audience. And I hope that they take from this something that they would 
pursue the Lord and have him in a closer way. And that is exactly why they were created. Amen. And let me tell you, for those that have yet to experience a close, intimate relationship with him, you're missing out because he is amazing. He is spectacular. He is magnificent. He is just incredible. And so um, I encourage you, I really do, to surrender to him and make him the part of your life, not just a part, but the part of your life. And I promise you, you will never regret it. Not ever. We are here for you as well. You can leave your comments below this video and you can also um, shoot us an email and we'll be happy to get back to you. Susan, do you have anything else you want to say to the audience? No, just thank you, Dina. And uh, thank you, everybody. All and, right. Uh, thank we you. Will talk to you next time. All right. Thanks, Susan. God bless.